Can you do that one more time? <laughs> how much wood would a woodchuck cut? How much wood would a woodchuck chuck? Woodchuck could chuck wood. A woodchuck would chuck as much wood as a woodchuck could chuck. I used to do tongue twisters all the time. And welcome to Crazy Damn Canadians. Point proven right here with Mr. Dave Mothis himself. Yeah. <laughs> tongue twisters about woodchucks. I guess we got that. We got that out of the way. Why the hell are we here, Dave? Because uh, you told me to be here at two o'clock. <laughs> and every time you come up with a crazy idea, I think, okay, let's give it a shot. Because you've come up with some pretty fun ideas over our lifetime. But I actually like the idea and agree with you about one major thing and that is that there is a lot of really awesome Canadians out there and we meet them all the time just in Prince George alone and nobody knows their story absolutely and that's why this podcast is called crazy damn Canadians our goal is to essentially interview and more importantly highlight and showcase some of the most powerful Canadians across the country starting right here with Prince George making our way across the other provinces and territories, and really just bring into the forefront these amazing human beings who have decided to to call Canada home and, and just to see what kind of inspiring stories come out of this. Yeah, and I think now we live in a unique time where um, before you would have had to have a budget to drag people across the country, and now you can find those stories uh, through social media. You can go on Facebook and find out who's cool in the community, and you can Zoom and interview someone and get the message out in a format across the country that you couldn't do before. And, and that's one of the benefits of the era that we're living in is what we're capable of achieving as individuals, as companies, as communities, as nations. There is so much good out there right now just waiting to be leveraged. And it, it's kind of why I wanted to bring to the forefront a, a question that I've, I've asked quite a few people, but a question I want to ask you, Dave, and that's what has been some of the highlights, some of the good things of the year 2020 in your life? Yeah. And of course, I was preloaded knowing you were going to ask that question. And the instinct is to talk about, you know, the trauma or the bad year, because I think that that becomes the typical answer we give. Um, but if you ask me what positive has come out, it's, oh man, 2020 would be hard because um, I've had six deaths in my immediate circle, uh, had a brain tumor that I had to deal with back in January, right before a pandemic and then getting locked down as a financial advisor in a global financial collapse was definitely stressful while dealing with a brain tumor and six people died over the summer. And so I thought it'd be just easy just to lose it. But I think a couple things have absolutely profoundly become positive. And I think it's true if most people think about it is I have a deeper appreciation for what matters in life now than I ever have in my life before. I understand what I want from life now. And I would appreciate just a hug from a friend that I don't think I'll ever lose that appreciation for that simple, simple, tiny thing that costs zero dollars and zero cents. So. 2020 has taught me what, oh my God, it's so cheesy, but it really taught me what truly matters in life and it's hugs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let's get serious here for a second. Like you rocked the 75 day challenge like no other. How the hell did you even find out about this and how, what kind of impact did it have on your life? 
Sorry, maybe just explain what it is to listeners before you you actually talked about the impact it had. Well, I think that everybody entering COVID um, probably gained weight, right? Uh, That's fair to say most people did. You're the exception, being that you're uh, addicted to fitness, addicted to exercise, the endorphins, you definitely get high on that. I've, I've always enjoyed exercise, but during COVID, I did like most people did, sat at home and drank too much at first. Mm-hmm. And I hit 270 pounds. And actually, it was just a friend named Michelle Landry. Uh, I was taking my dog to the kennel. And when I got to his house, I think he could see that I was physically getting sick, you mm-hmm. know, that I just wasn't doing well. I was kind of complaining. Uh, and he handed me a book and he said, I got a book for you. Hold on one second. And he's handed me other stuff before, usually small business ideas that he thinks I should catch on Bitcoin or whatever. And he, the book's called 75 Hard. And there's a podcast you can listen to for free called 75 Hard by Andy Frizella. And it's a mental challenge, not a physical challenge. So the challenge is that you have to exercise twice a day, one time being outside for 45 minutes. Go on a diet, pick your diet, any diet you want. Read 10 pages of a self-help book, any book, but once you start the book, finish it. And then, um, so it's diet, exercise, read the book, drink five, a gallon of water a day, and no alcohol, and no cheat meals. So whatever your diet is, you have to follow it religiously. And most people probably fail in the first two days. Uh, I realized that I was sick. It just hit me at the perfect time in my life. It's probably one of the best gifts. In fact, I will say it's the best gift I've ever received because it hit me at the perfect time in my life where everything was falling apart physically. Five of my blood levels were completely out of whack. And I started this challenge within 30 days. I knew my life was changed forever. That's that's inspiring as hell. And, And one of the things that came out of that was the substantial amount of people that witnessed your journey, your progress, because you were posting updates regularly on so, on your social platform. And what I feel the, the best part of this kind of challenge is the ability to motivate others. And you must have had a lot of people that were reaching out to you, whether it's private message or a quick phone call saying, Dave, you know what? I find myself in a position in my life where things are, you know, not where I was hoping they'd be. I'm feeling stressed. I have COVID-19 fatigue what kind of advice do you give to these people that are reaching out to you? Well, I I don't think I was trying to give so much advice because I don't think I'm anybody to give advice being that 75 days ago I was falling apart. So how do you claim that you've become an expert? All I tried to do was, you're right, I could not count the number of people that reached out to me. Uh, It's not possible. I have no idea, but it was way too many. One of the rules in the 75 hard challenges you have to post it and he actually speaks to all the people who are going to hate on you when you start posting it and he says you know there's going to be a ton of people that will attack you as your life starts improving as your fitness starts improving and they're the people you need to get rid of so you actually have to post 75 hard so you can find the people you're going to eliminate from your life the people who are the crabs at the bottom of the bucket trying to drag you down there's a whole chapter in the book on it and it was powerful. I was like, oh my God. So it's literally a test to figure out who you want in your life. You know, it's people like you who started messaging me saying, you're coming on a hike. Oh, you're getting fit now? Here's a great book to read. Here's a great thing to eat. Have you tried these new protein bars? Every time I see you, you're handing me another thing for fitness. And that's the people that will become your new life. And the people who complain and say you're posting too much or anything like that, 
well, there's your test. 75 hard is your test to, to weed them out. Hopefully they delete you. <laughs> and what's scary is, and, and you and I can talk about a good friend of ours, Misty, who might be watching or listening. She just went through the same thing where she's been making these insanely positive changes in her life, working out all the time, making these, these positive differences, and then out come the haters, the people saying, you're posting too much. Why are you, why are you doing these workout videos, making us feel like shit? I, I look at that and it's inevitable. But personally, I've, I've never had a problem with people saying bad things about me on Facebook. It's never really happened in my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, it's the nature of the beast. Whenever you put yourself out there and you're trying to make prolific positive change, whether it's in your own life, or your organizations or a charity that you're supporting, the digital warriors, they come out and they target that because it's the old build you up to tear you down mentality. But I think that's where it's really important that I saw that, you saw that, and that's why I took time out of my day. You know, my 75 hard brain is forever altered now. Now I can share that information. I know exactly what Misty was supposed to do with the people attacking her, which is say, good riddance goodbye and don't worry about the fact that you don't have 1550 friends 1500 is just fine you will be okay and it's realizing that you know we learned the most powerful numbers that nobody would ever see it was when we created hell yeah prince george we had 30,000 people at one point on the page and actually went in and counted how many people were deleted I wanted to know how many people had we banned or deleted. These are people who posted in such a negative way that we deemed they had to be removed. And we were pretty liberal at deleting back then. Like I think, you know, if you irritated us and we were having a bad day, it was like delete. <laughs> <laughs> and it was less than 1% of the people that were on the page. Less than 1% ever got deleted, which tells you like that was the best huge numbers Huge numbers test, 30,000 people on the page, less than 1% have deleted. It truly is in your life too, on your social media, in your friends network, it is 1%. And if you can get rid of them, you can have a perfectly harmonious life, Facebook page, company. Uh, that, that, that taught me, that was a powerful thing. I've never forgot that when I added that up. Haven't added it up since. Don't feel I need to now. Yeah, that's a good statistic and I, I look at, the creation of Hell Yeah Prince George, March 9th, 2014. I mean, that's six and a half years ago. And since then, similar to Crazy Damn Canadians, what we want to achieve with this podcast, we have seen some of the most powerful stories of people right here in Prince George, right yeah. here in Prince George, of these amazing people that have stories that would resonate with individuals throughout the globe, throughout the planet, with them saying, Wow, look at what he was doing here. Look at what she accomplished there. One person that comes to mind is Jim Tyrion. Here's a gentleman who, with a hearing disability, walked across Canada 30 years ago. Uh, one week ago was the 30th anniversary of Jim Tyrion walking across Canada. He started at St. John's, Newfoundland, filled up a bottle of water from the Atlantic Ocean, walked all the way across Canada, emptied that bottle, Vancouver Island. He did this through winter months. He was walking through Alberta in late January and the fact that he did this without the ability to hear traffic with little fanfare and to do this in memory of his hero Terry Fox who gave him that inspiration to make this miraculous cross-country walk to me that is inspiring as hell and this gentleman lives right here in Prince George 
and hardly anybody outside this community, a lot of people even in this community, have no idea who he is or what he accomplished. Well, what's funny is you actually have made plenty of posts about him that I've watched over the years. Every time Terry Fox, the annual run's going to come up, I'd see something about Jim Terrian. But the truth of it is, all I knew is he raised a bunch of money for the Terry Fox run, north of $800,000. I had all the times you've posted, all uh, this, this is why it's so important to hear people's story from their own mouth, which is what this podcast should uh, do, but I had no clue he walked across Canada. After all the different posts you made, that got missed by me. And now I'm like, that's more impressive to me than raising $800,000. That's mind-blowing to me. Walking across Canada, I mean, I wouldn't want to walk to Parkridge Heights. You know, <laughs> so I mean, raising $800,000, I can see how I would do that. Yeah. To be fair, I've raised money, like that's been my hobby for a long time. But walking across the country, you've got to leave work for a year. <laughs> yeah. And Jim is one example of the thousands and thousands of stories out there of inspiring individuals, of crazy damn Canadians, which I hope this podcast has the ability to unearth and share with not just our nation, but the world. I mean, who knows? This is episode one. By episode 10, this could be completely canceled. We're on doing our next thing. Or we can be sitting here in a year and we're on episode 100 all of a sudden, and we've been able to share these stories from motivational people from across Canada. And that's my hope. Yeah, so I'm gonna ask you a question now. So a couple things about Prince George. Let's let's bang off a couple um, things that are important to us or cool about Prince George. Uh, your favorite person in Prince George, who would you say it is? I feel like in a lot of ways we just talked about him because Jim has to be high on that list. Uh, another person, and I, I don't belong to any political party. I, I try to make that as, as clear as possible. Uh, to as many people as I meet. But what I do believe in is good people. And whether you're conservative or liberal or NDP or or Republican or it doesn't matter, Democrat, there's going to be good people in those parties and there's going to be bad people in those parties. There's going to be great decisions made in those parties. There's going to be tragic decisions made in those parties. One person that inspires the hell out of me, I have to say, is Todd Doherty. I look at what that guy does, not just for our community and region, but the voice that he gives us in Ottawa. Mm. And and every single fundraiser that you and I are involved with, any charity that I mentioned to him, he's always saying one thing, and that's, how can I help? And to me, that's an inspirational leader right there. I'm not a conservative. I'm not part of any political party, but I believe in kick-ass human beings, and Todd Doherty fits that bill perfectly. 2017, when my brother passed away, my brother was a, a veteran in the military. Well, he was actually active in the military uh, when he passed away. And Todd Doherty gets these opportunities to speak in front of Parliament. And you only get a couple seconds. Uh, you know, he has his 45 seconds to speak. And I still remember the day when he called me and said, look, I know your brother died. I know he mattered to you. You mattered to me. You mattered to Prince George. And I want you to know that on behalf of your family, I'm just going to speak about your brother. Ugh, man, crushes me still. I'm like, that is the, yeah, I'll never forget that. And I also resonate. I didn't, I didn't necessarily like Todd when I first saw him. I was like, who's this guy? He's just the PG guy. I didn't know anything about him. He didn't strike me as awesome until I got to talk to him once. I would completely agree with you that he's a fantastic person. And 
consistently stands up for Prince George, for people with mental health issues, which really matters. Uh, and But that's the stuff you wouldn't know because you would automatically target him as a political leader. You'd say this person doesn't matter uh, because they're just a politician. And I'm like, man, you're missing, you're missing the human. Yeah. And that's where I get infuriated, like literally pissed off when I see blanket statements on social media with people being like, I hate politicians. Politicians are evil. How can you generalize like that? That's like saying, you know, all accountants are dickheads. That's not the truth. You might have some dickhead accountants, but you're also going to have some accountants that are beautiful human beings. So those kind of generalizations, I feel like are as inaccurate as you can get when you're talking about a, pertin a certain profession or yeah. industry or area. I agree with you. I, 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 I'm, I'm so annoyed that you said Todd Doherty because now you totally crush the fact that I have to say my favorite person in Prince George is easily Shirley Bond. Uh, and that's not because of her political affiliation. I knew Shirley when I went to church and didn't particularly like Shirley or dislike her. She was just another church human being and I found them all kind of stuffy. I wouldn't have said anything about her except it's Mrs. Bond, she was nice. She hired me to DJ her 50th birthday through my DJ service and I got to see a different side of her with her family and I think she was probably newer in politics back then. And I really liked that. She was so nice to me. They all treated me so good that I kind of developed a bit of a relationship. And then I started seeing Shirley because I'm at every charity function in town as DJ Dave. I would donate my equipment. And I met Shirley at every event. And the difference was that I thought eventually there would be a chink in the armor, that she would crack and show me the kind of mean side eventually because, you know, she's a politician. The thing that infuriates, infuriates you, I, I would have assumed that. But... I just consistently saw her crying, helping, hugging, holding people, making a donation, not on behalf of the party, but out of her own bank account. Every time I do a fundraiser, Shirley's one of the people who emails me money and donates. And then she started sending cards to me. Whenever I did something or something happened, she sent me a card. And then I talked to other people and I'm like, Shirley sends them a handwritten card. And I'm like, who the heck is this human being? And how do people ever call her a politician. She's not. She's a friggin' champion of humanity. And she just happens to be part of a political party, but I can separate the two. And I actually messaged her when I found out she got reelected. The first thing I did is message her on Facebook. We're in a message chat, private chat together. And I said, Shirley, you are absolutely need to be the liberal leader. You need to be the part. If they don't make you the leader of the party, they're idiots. You got the most experience. You're well-respected and loved. You keep getting reelected. And then I saw she did it. <laughs> I was like, I knew it. I knew it. I could see it coming. Yeah. So, you know, congratulations to Shirley, uh, because being that interim leader, that's not only a, a huge victory for lack of a better word for her, but for the North, for Northern British Columbia to have a leader that represents us all of a sudden take over the entire province, the liberal body, that's a huge win for Prince George in Northern BC. And and while we're t talking about Shirley, uh, I think we we have to give our respects for for Bill passing away this year because yeah. talk about part of Team Bond. It, was, it, was, it wasn't just Shirley when it was an event they were supporting. It was the Bond family. And you could just feel that powerful presence when they're there together. Yeah, and they, they did stick together everywhere, every time. And that's very true. And that was really sad. 
And but you know, kudos to her for still even going through that. She's still part of the community and championing things for her community. Yeah, you know, even after going through that, and, and that Shirley's speaks a, to her. Shirley's an ass kicker too, right? I mean, like if it comes down to it, and she needs to let people know how it is, she's not afraid, and that's what you have to respect. I know there's that kindness factor, and and there's like Shirley feels like like a mom to all, all of us sometimes. But at the end of the day, if she needs to raise her voice and stick up for Northern BC and kick some ass, she's not afraid to do that. Yeah, the one regret I have is I, I was informed that when you're the interim leader, they typically don't end up becoming the leader. Uh, they just kind of get them through the process of finding another one, which I think is a huge misstep. I think that the Liberal Party should make an exception that time. I don't know if Shirley wants that, but I think that would be the smartest thing they could possibly do, that they should break that tradition and say, look, why aren't you making this? She's highly electable. Absolutely. And you know, I, I feel like Shirley Bond would be a great guest on Crazy Damn Canadians. And and one the format that we were just discussing before we launched our first podcast today was the fact that you and I can take turns interviewing different people. It doesn't always have to be Dave Mathis and Scott McWalter at the table. You can take an interview. I can take an interview. Hell, if we bring in a guest interviewee, who, somebody that they want to interview from across the nation, we have the format, we have the podcast, we have Andrew, who's managing this entire thing, doing a phenomenal job. That's the cool thing about keeping it liquid and fluid, this podcast. We just want it to have value. And the day that this podcast no longer has value, or some listeners are saying, you know what, gave it five minutes, you guys suck, then maybe we're gonna turn it off and try something else. But the fact is, we can do whatever the hell we want with this podcast and have some fun with it at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't mind just talking to you anyways. If, if we have two people who ever listen to this, your mom and my mom, then that's fine by me. We just doubled our audience. There you go. It's <laughs> <laughs> a favorite business in Prince George. I'm going to go with Van Horlicks because I'm staring at a Christmas tree right behind that beautiful pink toque you're wearing. And the reason why I say Van Horlicks is because it just, it hits all the the big ones for me. One, local family-owned business and just a beautiful family who give back in spades who are just great people that you want to support and two is because they have a history in prince george where they've been here many decades and they've become part of my christmas tradition for for my family and me where i always try to go there and buy some really unique customized christmas gifts and on christmas day or whenever i'm celebrating with my family and we're exchanging presents it's always the van horlick's gift that they appreciate appreciate the most because there's that customization they mm -hmm. know it came from van horlicks and you know you're supporting a beautiful family and an amazing local business when you go there how about you uh you know I, I i it'd be really hard for me to pick one business but probably the model or business because i really am like i'm i don't have kids so i've spent a lot of money in this community um i would have picked northern hardware uh, but regrettably they closed after 100 years, but I absolutely loved shopping in Northern Hardware. Now I would probably pick a restaurant that I don't even go to that often, uh, but I'd probably pick Nancy O's. Uh, I think those guys did something unique, innovative, creative, uh, which has now I think spread to many other restaurants in their own way, doing similar things to what they're doing. I don't have a relationship with them particularly, although I think they're nice guys. I've never had a beer with them, but I respect what they did as a business, live comedy, entertainment, kind of eclectic, 
organic, whole grain, locally sourced. They just hit all the measures and it's still damn tasty food. It's not like eating a kale salad. Blech. Yeah, and I know you love your burgers because you talk about them mid X conditioning class every time yeah. with Paul. So shout out to X conditioning, by the way, for being <laughs> awesome. I The reason why I love that answer is because Owen and Garrett took a huge risk, like a huge fucking risk when they decided to actually create a new business on Third Avenue when downtown Prince George wasn't the most attractive place to invest. And what they did was they became not only a Prince George success story, but when I was up at UMBC and helping with marketing and communications with the ancillary divisions, everyone on UMBC campus talked about Nancy O's and those entrepreneurs yeah. with so much pride saying like, this is UMBC alumni, this is a success story for the community and our university. And look how many people have benefited from Nancy O's, whether it was a great meal, a, a nice evening out on a date, uh, watching a comedy show, they had live music. There's just been so many memories that have been built up over over the years at Nancy O's that those guys should be damn proud of themselves. I think other businesses have kind of replicated now in a bigger, bigger, batter version, you know, uh, Black Clover is also doing back a hail to the Sergeant O'Flaherty's era, which you wouldn't have been part of really as much, you were young. But that was like really cool entertainment, great drinks in like a cheers kind of feeling atmosphere. So now you've got places like the Black Clover and many other places have opened up kind of, I think, using that Nancy O's feel. They weren't the first, but they certainly have done that. And now many other places, when you get one good thing in a community, then you end up with so many others that say, I'm going to take a piece of that. And then a piece of that. And that's how we end up with like, we punched way above our weight for it, restaurants. and It is contagious. I mean, you see the enthusiasm surrounding some of these new restaurants that have opened up over the years. Looking back to 2018, what did we have? Like 10 new restaurants opened up throughout Prince George that yeah. year? And there really hasn't been too many closures. Like Shiraz closed when Reza moved to Edmonton at Parkwood and, and you're right across from them. But I mean, all of a sudden we have like Trench and Crossroads that manifested and we had new restaurants, uh, Brown Social House up in College Heights. We had Original Joe's. And they're all surviving. Yeah. They're all, they were all doing well. I don't know how they're doing with the pandemic, but that's become a, such a big part of the Prince George social scene. Like we are not go to a club. We are go to the Westwood. We are go to the BX. We are go to Nancio's. And so that's that's really our social scene. Like we don't have a generator and a monk bar anymore. Although uh, the generator is it coming back? I, I don't know. I, yeah, I mean, we're I in... saw the sign was put back up, but who knows with COVID, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, when it does open, we'll be there open at night. So, speaking about COVID, how the hell has it affected your life since it emerged in late February, early March? Like, maybe just let our audience know like, how you have kind of weaved your way through the the COVID disaster that's taken over our planet? I think it would depend on if you were talking emotionally or fiscally, right? Uh, or financially, rather. Um, I emotionally probably came as close to a mental breakdown as I've ever come in my life. Just being locked away from seeing people and finding people not being able to get close to people was crushing me. It was I found it soul-destroying is the only way I would describe it, not knowing how I would live through it. Um, and I really struggled. I just could not handle not seeing people and being around people. So I went to save on foods way more than I should have 
because I was struggling so much just, just with needing to see people because I was going through so much turmoil at home too. You know, living with a mother-in-law who was passing away in the home during lockdown was pretty darn stressful. So that was the biggest thing for me. On the flip side, financially, as financial advisors, when the market first collapsed, it was stressful, but we needed to put on a brave face for our clients. Ironically, what ended up happening was while some financial firms laid off everyone immediately and just because they knew all they were going to have to do is answer the phone because clients couldn't come in, we took a totally different tact and said, we're going to call every single client we have. Everyone's working overtime calling everyone to say, how are you? Are you okay? We're not going to speak about market returns. Can't change them. Market's what the market is. Let's just call people and say, hi, and are you okay? And it led to the best year we've ever had because not everybody was out of work. Everybody says, oh, COVID happened. There's lots of people at work. Well, the reality is no, the vast majority of people are still driving the ambulance, working at the mill, building the houses. They're all still working, have the exact same amount of income they had before. In fact, more because they're not spending it and they need something to do. So they rewrote insurance. They put more money into the markets. We had money come in because people bought low, which they should do. And we ended up having the best year ever. So that's how I did uh, as a business, which is, I mean, it feels tough to say that because you want to be able to say, oh, it's been really hard on us. But I, I appreciate that you said it's hard to say that because there must be a feeling of guilt, especially when you know there's been businesses that have been hurt, that have closed down, that maybe even haven't been able to open up their doors again, or when they are operating, it's at a reduced capacity with half the amount of clientele oh, and yeah. customers. And, and that's what's really sad. However, we have it good in Northern British Columbia. And I'm going to elaborate on that because with the amount of people worldwide that since COVID hit, haven't been able to have half the luxuries or the freedoms that they've enjoyed before is is absolutely crazy. I, I look at Northern British Columbia and the number one commodity in the world right now is space. Space. And we have a lot of it in yeah. Prince George and Northern British Columbia. For sure. And we got out. I'm out snowmobiling. I just take separate trucks and go out and I'm snowmobiling. Lockdown approved. Yeah. I'm you know, I'm not with anyone yeah. and not touching anyone. So, and cross country skiing and skating. And you're right. I mean, it's, but there still is people that are hurting, really hurting. And it would be nice to be able to say, oh, I'm hurting too. But the truth is my business will struggle more probably uh, as the lockdowns continue and, pe and the effects of people losing their jobs starts to affect us. We're going to lose a lot of policies <laughs> as people can't pay for it. We're going to lose investments as they're cashing them in. It just hasn't hit us yet because people don't give up that stuff right away. It matters having it. Yeah. And we're 10 months into this pandemic, right? It's and not it's like not it, until spring. It's not like it just goes away as soon as we enter year 2021. I mean, who knows what the recovery process for this pandemic can be. There's already so many people going through COVID fatigue where when there's more lockdown measures that are being placed, a lot of people are just saying, fuck this and not listening. And then there's other people saying, you know what? We're gonna listen to the government. We're gonna listen to Dr. Bonnie Henry and this makes sense. But when it first happened in early March, everyone was on board. Everyone, it was new to everyone. Everyone was scared, anxiety. We didn't know how what the actual mortality rate of COVID-19 
would be. I remember with my daughter going up to visit my parents. We were saying hi to them parked in their driveway with the windows rolled up with them standing on their porch waving at us and having a conversation with them that way. Yeah. We've come a long way since then. Well, and we're actually, I mean, even this, to speak to this right now, I came into your house wearing my mask, and this is part of your business. I mean, this is your world. So you're working when you create this or create any marketing. It's all part of McWalter Media, right? As you try to get your name and brand out there doing multiple things and other people that you can assist clients with maybe doing stuff like this in interviews, et cetera, et cetera. But I even had to wear my mask in and we had to have the conversation. Is this breaking the rules? Technically, you're at work. We're six feet apart, consciously at a larger table. And I'm going to have to walk out. But we actually had a discussion. I don't know. Is this breaking the rules to be this far apart? I wore my mask in. I'm going to wear my mask out. The one thing we start hearing about is fines as well. Like a poker game in Kamloops just received a $1,200 fine. There's a, a house party in Prince George that received a major fine. Although I think that was like north of 50 people and they're getting yeah. ridiculous. So, but you also have to think like, am I going to have dinner with my parents and break the rules and get a fine for that? And what drives me banana sandwich crazy is the fact that sometimes it's being encouraged to rat or tell on neighbors that might be having people over, that's when, in my opinion, society takes a step backwards. When we're all of a sudden responsible for telling on our neighbors for breaking the rules. But it is happening and uh, people are watching. Yeah. Um, and so I think that, you know, I mean, to be fair, it's like we do all have to do our part. It's just questioning if we were in a restaurant right now, same risk getting into and out of the restaurant as we've just done. We could be sitting at a table having dinner, no problem. We're following protocol now, but I don't know if we're actually breaking the rules. Because you're still allowed to go to work. I can still walk into the Sun Life building and work with 11 people there. And we wear our masks in the hallways, but when I go into my office, I don't have to. So the problem is, as a Canadian, as a resident of BC, it's very vague and it becomes very confusing to even figure out, are you allowed to still be building a business and doing this? And uh, there's a hundred people right now, I'll guarantee there's a segment of people out there, if they're listening to this, arguing saying, no, you're clearly breaking the rules. And another segment saying, no, you're clearly not, because if we could do this in the BX pub and we'd be fine. There's literally people watching this video on YouTube or listening to the podcast, just being like, those fuckers are breaking the rules and I have no respect for them anymore. That's how that's human nature. You're going to have those people that see what we're doing now and say that's against the rules. They're in a house there. We are six feet apart, but uh, technically it's against the rules. Yeah, I don't know. But you look at Australia and I know we were talking about this before we went on air. Their lockdown measures have been extreme. I was reading the CBC article last night talking about how there is fines being levied for people who would walk their dog in their own neighborhood. Fines for that. They took this lockdown more seriously than most nations in the world, and they have next to zero. They have next to no COVID nineteen cases because of it. But their lockdown was extreme. Yeah, yeah, and well, and it goes to show now they can reopen and rebuild their economy. So that's the side of me that says, you know, maybe when I leave, I should sanitize my hands, put my mask back on, and I'm just going to go back home. But part of me says, man, wouldn't that have been better? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You look, you also look at this past summer where in Northern health, I think what we went 70 plus days without a single new case in Northern BC. Yeah. And now we're getting 35, 40 a day. 
which is a lot, even in Northern Health. But I still wonder how many are in Prince George. Yeah, but, but when you hear those numbers of daily new cases of COVID-19 in Prince George or Northern Health, it's easier to take it more seriously. When it was this past summer and there was next to no new cases in Prince George or Northern Health for so long, it was easy to become lackadaisical. Yeah, we did forget. You're right. Look yeah. at the the climb for cancer. And that's one of my f- favorite annual events. And and Doug and Pat and the team at Northern Lights Estate Winery do a fantastic job. That was in the midsummer. The, the event was postponed from June. And they had hundreds of people coming out, raising money for the Cordoban Lodge. We submitted a team ourselves. We probably had 35 to 40 people on our team. No social distancing, walking up the cut banks together, taking group pictures at the top, everyone laughing, having fun. It was like summer of 2019 is what it felt like. It felt like COVID-19 wasn't even a thing back then. Well, I think what we have to remember is we just got to get to March now. You know, the vaccine rollout's going to happen. And I think I, that's my belief is by the time we get to March, April, life starts to get back to normal. But it's going to be a long winter. It will. And and winter can be long and punishing and daunting in northern BC any year. Throw in COVID-19 and the fact that people are supposed to be staying home as much as possible and avoiding others. That gets scary to me and the mental health issue that actually stems from that. Yeah, 100%. So. And that's why you have companies like Stride and Glide. I was just in there buying some some product last week. It was packed. And the gentleman at the front desk said that they've been receiving record sales for cross-country ski equipment. You look at Caledonia Nordic, Otway Ski Trails, they've had record sales in memberships. And to me, that is such good news because people are taking advantage. All these snowbirds or people who go to Hawaii or Mexico or the States during the the winter months for a vacation, they're now staying in Prince George and recognizing all of the great things that can be accomplished in our own backyard, whether it's winter or, or summer or whenever. But there's so many outdoor activities and so many things you can take advantage of in this great area that we call home. Yep. And I'm glad that I have all of those items already from past challenges from you. So I'm set to go for the winter. Yeah. Favorite charity to support in prince george loaded question what is it well i mean the one that i've been the most connected to for the past couple of years has been hospice um and they've got a big name but honestly they've done a really good job marketing themselves to say support us uh but i think that it's attributed to donna flood she's just done a good job she's done a good job connecting with me and engaging me even when i've tried to Go help another charity. There's just Donna sitting there, not pushing in any way, but just she's there. She's very, very effective as an executive director. I don't know what they pay her working for a charity, but she's worth the money. Uh, I, I feel like whatever she's being paid right now, she deserves more. Yeah, <laughs> you could you could throw out any number, whatever Donna Flood's salary is. You could throw that on the table, write it down, and both in a, both of us could agree it should be more. Yeah, she does a fantastic job. So there's lots of local charities I like. But she's probably the person that I would recognize as having done the most exceptional job. Another shout out to Tim Bennett from Big Brothers, who also does an exceptional job. And I had two little brothers with Big Brothers, uh, but they eventually kicked me out. Uh, you know, subtly said, I just couldn't follow the rules in Big Brothers. We, me and my littles always wanted to shoot pellet guns, uh, shoot real guns, shoot paintballs, uh, make exploding firework bombs. Uh, all stuff that 
ironically, Big Brothers isn't allowed to do with their littles. And I was like, but that's all the stuff I love. So every time I got a little brother, they're like, maybe you guys should just work outside the traditional channel and hang out because you're a liability risk. Their moms always loved me. But Big Brothers found me pretty stressful, but I loved them. That's awesome. You're just taking out your little brothers and toilet paper and houses. I'm at Exploding Rockets. I've got some of them on YouTube. You just smash the end of a rocket. We actually bought whole model rockets and turned them into grenades. When they're up thousand feet up, you'd hear the. It was awesome. So I'm actually really happy you mentioned Tim Bennett because I feel like he doesn't get the credit he deserves for the difference he's made in this community, not just with Big Brothers Big Sisters either, uh, but with all of his roles. And he has a large presence in this community. He's done a lot. Yeah, school board trustee, where he gets hammered for every decision that a board of eight people makes. And then he gets absolutely hammered on because he's seen as the head of the board. When really, once you become the head of the board, you're just the person speaking on behalf of the eight people making the decisions. I observed that and watched him get beat up for the Kelly Road name change. And he's, such, like, he's got such a powerful brand that he's easily rememberable, memorable. You, like, you can actually like think school board, and it's synonymous with Tim's name. So if the school board, as a collective group, makes a decision that there might be a little bit of controversy it's involved. It's Tim. It's, yeah. it's Tim, what the hell are you doing? It's not school board. It's Tim did this. And that's what's sad to see. Yeah. And it was, it was grossly unfair to him. Um, but I think that's why he stepped down, which is a loss to Prince George. But that's what uh, cancel culture, social media bullies, uh, you know, this that's the dark side of what we've discussed where social media has this awesome thing that can make us aware of all these awesome people across Canada. We're going to leverage that. But it also has that dark side. Yeah. And you watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix? Yeah. And that's another part of the problem, right? Yeah, crazy, powerful. I mean, I, mean, I couldn't tell you. My, my watch has vibrated 10 times, and I'm like, oh, there's my watch vibrating. And I'm so used to checking. It's even weird to do a podcast for just one hour. We're not even an hour in, I don't think. No, like I feel guilty having my phone that's sitting right here on the table in front of us. And it makes me remember, like... There's not too many parts of the day where my phone's not within a meter of me. And it's sad in a lot of ways, yeah. right? Like if, if you left your house and forgot your phone, even if you're just going to the grocery store, you accidentally left your phone at home, would you feel naked? Yes, absolutely. What happens if my car breaks down? Now I couldn't even phone someone, <laughs> you know? But that's another reason why I've really enjoyed some of the adventures we've been doing lately, going on the hikes, because <clears throat> you shut your phone off. Going snowmobiling, you shut your phone off. Um, it's funny. I have to actually do targeted activities to get that now. Absolutely. And, and since we mentioned adventures and we just went on a snowshoe, anyone listening or watching right now, please go to Driscoll Ridge. I'm going to let you explain how awesome it is. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So if you've ever been to the ancient forest, uh, just picture that at the bottom of Toilet Bowl. Uh, it's just the crap version of Driscoll Ridge. It's the one of the most beautiful spots on the face of the planet, the ancient forest. They've done a fantastic job making it wheelchair accessible. I absolutely love it. So I say that flippantly. Uh, but Driscoll Ridge is the ancient forest with no boardwalk. Just this beautiful forest trail that goes straight up the mountain through those exact cedar trees that you're hiking through. And some of them are just huge like monstrous trees bigger than what you see in the ancient forest and they're right beside you as you're hiking up this mountain it's 2.7 kilometers up and i mean it's just up 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 there is no level spots no it does not flatten out 
it's just 2.7 up and you get to the top and you got a view of the McGregor Mountains and I was absolutely gobsmacked. It was one of the coolest things I've done in Northern BC and I've done a lot. Couldn't believe I hadn't done that. Yeah, and nobody's doing it. So anybody out there looking for a bit of an adventure, it's just out east. It's about 10 kilometers before the ancient forest. You just park on the right. There's a small little parking lot and then you can start snowshoeing right away. And an additional shout out to, you know, the the adventure bus and, and pretty wild adventures because these two local organizations are bringing a lot of women in our community out on these adventures, whether it be hiking throughout the summer months or snowshoeing throughout the winter. And a lot of these individuals who are joining these groups would never have the confidence to go out by themselves and do one of these hikes. So uh, Meg, if you're listening, just a, a shout out to you for the awesome job you and your partner are doing. Yeah, and they're probably shut down right now too though, right? For the yeah, winter, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, one thing I'd love to see their business do is the, like what Caledonia Nordic, uh, some of the snowshoes that have happened out there with the Caledonia Ramblers, like they'll take separate transportation because I feel like the, the transportation is the big thing. If you're getting... 10 or 12 people into a bus together during COVID times, that's what people are afraid of. Yeah. But if you have the Caledonia Ramblers example for the past 20 years, they've just had other people take their own transportation. Then they convoy out to whatever snowshoe or hiking destination they're going to and they make it work. So I hope those business models can find a way around COVID because I feel it's a very, I feel it's an essential service, those kind yeah. of outdoor tours for people. I'd agree with you for the, for the winter, especially, you know, when we need to be out and, and doing stuff, just, guess we have to tell people that follow the rules. Yeah. And I also want to applaud the hell out of you for arranging. I know you can't really talk about the donation right now, but earlier in the week we had a discussion and you mentioned you're going to be helping Nicola and Grant at the Prince George Animal Rescue with a, a, a donation coming in in the, the new year. So I, I think that's another organization we could just talk for hours about the fact that the volunteer ran and they've literally saved hundreds and hundreds of horses and dogs and cats and pigs and donkeys over the years all while having full-time jobs elsewhere it's really remarkable yeah they do a fantastic job i love the pg animal rescue so i mean that's another fantastic charity and the fact that there's no overhead no staff costs makes it very easy to support them because a hundred percent of your money is just rescuing animals no fault to the spca we need them because they do a critical job enforcing animal cruelty laws mm -hmm. and so that you have to have paid people uh, but sometimes that bothers people when there's any element of money going to administration and that's one charity that has no administration it's just saving animals so kudos to them crazy damn canadians episode one who knows if we'll even make it past 10 episodes it could go either way man we, like we could release this first episode and it's just complete negative commentary and are you going to read the comment feed because there will be negative comments in there no I probably won't. A, I've looked at about five things on YouTube in my life. I've posted a couple of videos just so I can share them to Facebook. I have one social media channel. It's Facebook. That's the only thing I use. So okay. I know I'm weird. Let's make a pact right now. We're not going to read the comment feeds yeah, because there's going to be says. those digital warriors out there just destroying us. And I mean, we've been well-versed in being able to receive that kind of negative feedback. It's the nature of the beast, but let's make a pact. We, we won't read the comment feeds. Yeah. Of, of I won't read posts. the comment feed and I don't care what you're saying. Nice. <laughs> that should be a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I just don't care. I'm still going to go to work in the morning and do the exact same thing regardless. So yeah, that's actually why I stay off Twitter in Prince George and in general, like I've, I've used it in the past and it just felt like no offense to Twitter user, users out there because there is value in some sense, but I feel like it's just people screaming at each other. 
and just a bizarre way to communicate. Oh, like we're so new to social media. Like when did you join Facebook? 2008? Were you an early adopter? I was an early adopter. I believe it was 2007. Yeah. And so like, think about it. That's 13 years ago of this brand new way of communicating with other human beings that's graduated to the point where that's the primary way that most people communicate, whether it's via Facebook Messenger or in comment feeds or or text messages. Like yeah. what we're doing right now is becoming very rare. We're having a conversation in person, six feet apart with each other in the same room. This is gonna become even more of a rarity with during COVID-19 times, having these kind of in-person conversations. Yeah, well, let's keep doing it <laughs> for 10 episodes. For 10 episodes. That's my contract with you, right? Yeah. Paid for 10 yeah, episodes. Yeah, we should get that signature on paper. <laughs> so this is episode number one, Crazy Damn Canadians. We'll see where we go from here. Who would your ideal guest be? And we're going to keep it Canadian. So it, like the only prerequisite to being a guest on Crazy Damn Canadians is that you're Canadian. You could be dual citizenship elsewhere. It doesn't matter. But that's the only prerequisite is that you have a Canadian citizenship. I think we've we've talked about Jim Terrian quite a bit. Um, like you've we've he's been getting more attention. We've done a good job bringing him out. It'd be cool to get an episode kind of getting his story. But I'd like to find the Jim Terrian we don't know. Mm -hmm. I'd like to find that person. I know they're out there. We just don't know who they are right now. I'd like to find that person that did something so freaking unusual that nobody in Prince Church, in fact, I know how to find them. I'm going to make a post. I'm going to use social media on Hell Yeah Prince George saying, who's done something nobody knows about in Prince George? Comment in the comment feeds with people that have done crazy or unusual things. And I'll use Jim as the example saying this is what Jim did. Who do you know that did something exceptional? And we can read through those comments pick one of those people out and get their story. That's why I love the way your mind works, Mothis, because you're always thinking about different innovative ideas. And that's a, a great solution to find in some really remarkable guests as to why, why is it up to us? You know, like let's let social media decide who should yeah. be future guests on crazy damn Canadians. Let's let the public decide. So with our format, we're, we're basically going to be doing the first 10 guests, Prince George base. Like we want to build this in Prince George and eventually branch out. Who would your ideal guest be for say somebody of celebrity status that's Canadian that might not even live in Canada anymore, but they're they're born here, they have their Canadian citizenship and they went off to do some freaking amazing things. Anybody think of you uh, think of? I I I know he's been interviewed quite a bit. I would love to talk to Michael J. Fox. Damn, you stole my answer. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know what, though? He's he's an inspiring dude. He was a hero to a lot of kids. We're both young men. Uh, so I'd love to hear his story. And I think he's fascinating. Now he's leveraged having a horrible disability into raising money for treatment and mm -hmm. supporting people. He also is willing to acknowledge his failings and talk about um, the trauma and the suffering he did and how his marriage almost ended he's not your typical i'm only going to show you the glossy side he's willing to talk about the shit and that's what i love about him and that's why i'd love to talk to him because i didn't read the book episode 100 michael j fox crazy damn canadians we're going to make it happen right. speaking about good books is i just read arnold schwarzenegger's book and he's exactly what you just described is he didn't just talk about all of his 
box office successes with movies or all of his or the good things that he did with government he spent a lot of time focusing on his mistakes and 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 the hardships that he went through and he just explained it so tactfully in in terms of guess what not every swing is going to be a home run in life you're going to strike out you're going to strike out multiple 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 times but those multiple strikeouts are the ones that lead to those grand slams those big hitters and And there's lots of those canadians to find yeah and ask for their strikeouts along with their wins right yeah i had a meeting this morning with tom sentis and a local business person prince george who kind of has had his hands in a lot of different businesses and in positive ways throughout the last few decades and he said the exact same thing you know he said it it hasn't just always been a smooth road to success you know you're going to hit these speed bumps and there's going to be hurdles but it's the people that get ahead are the ones that don't give up after hitting those hurdles and uh, I always look at a a great quote from uh, John Brink another successful entrepreneur in town and he always said that his secret to success is not giving up in situations where most people would. I'm gonna say that one more time. He doesn't give up in situations where most people would. And I am a perfect example of sometimes I I give up too easily. And sometimes I get discouraged and I say, okay, I'm not gonna do that anymore. But perseverance goes a long way. I just finished reading 10 books during 75 Hard. Every single one of them talked about perseverance being the quality and attribute that makes winners winners and losers losers if you just persevere if you just don't give up you end up winners and on that note on episode one i'm gonna quit (laughs) (laughs) crazy damn canadians episode one that's a wrap andrew behind the scenes doing a great job thanks for your time dave next episode number two we're gonna have a guest in the house yeah who's it gonna be make the social media post to see what happens okay